With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Des Moines. Live from the Wasino Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Miller and Condon. In black. In black, yes. I'm sure our next guest loves this tune. Ricky yes. Stanzi, he was part of this rivalry. He was 3-0 and against Iowa State. Coming up, we'll have the quarterback that played in the four editions of this game prior to Stanzi taking over at uh, Iowa. Brett Meyer from Iowa State joins us. But right now, let's get Ricky Stanzi in here. Trent, as somebody pointed out to you on Twitter, a very uh, appropriate day to have him, 9-11, yes. love it, leave it, etc. And Ricky joins us. Ricky, along with Trent Condon, my name is Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on, Ricky Stanzi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. No, I appreciate you having uh, coming on. Let's catch up with you, first of all, before we get into uh, to Cyhawk. Where are you, and what are you doing now that your uh, football career uh, is behind you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm living back in the Cleveland area. Uh, my wife and I both grew up here, so we're finally, this has been my first calendar year that I've actually lived back in Ohio since I left for Iowa. So it's, it's great to be back around family, both of our we got both. We have three kids, so our grandparents, our uh, moms and dads, are about ten minutes apart. So a lot of family time. Um, I'm I'm doing a lot of private training, so I'm kind of getting into that strength and conditioning world. I'm a movement coach, so I work under the uh, GOTA locomotive system. GOTA stands for Greatest of All Time Actions by the Greatest of All Time Athletes. So it's a movement system built off of slow motion video, and so we observed. Three groups of humans, the elite decade-plus injury-free athlete, the indigenous tribe, and the 70-plus age group at the marathon. And then we kind of reverse-engineered a system from there that's all built around keeping the athlete safe and then making them explosively fluid. So we've had a tremendous amount of success, and now we're kind of starting to take it to more of a you know wide-scale approach to the high schools, colleges, and trying to reach some of these uh, pro athletes who are kind of struggling with these non-contact injuries and these hammy and, and groin pool. So I've been really busy with that, but just doing a lot of family time and, and catching up with, you know, people that I've uh, been away from for the last, you know, decade. Ricky, as you look back at your NFL career, starting in Kansas City and bouncing around a little bit, is there ever a time that you look and say, boy, just wish you would have got that one shot, that one opportunity and, and see what you could have done getting a full game, getting a couple of games in a row and, and see if it would have worked out for you at the biggest level? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always a everything happens for a reason kind of guy, and I'm, I'm a super optimistic kind of cat. So I see things as like, well, that happened for this, and then I just kind of roll with the punches. A lot of what led to what I just told you about me being a movement coach was my own struggles, you know, my own physical shortcomings, my own lack of confidence, and, and searching for, you know, what is holding me back? Why, why does my body feel this way? Why is it breaking down? At the age of 25, 26, why can't I, you know, why can't I show these guys what I'm capable of? And like every time I got cut, it was like, yeah, I know I deserve to get cut there. I wasn't, I wasn't consistent enough. So 
I think that struggle was important for me because it led me on this just passionate search to, to find an answer and then to be able to set my foot in the ground and, and speak fluidly and confidently about that now and try to help that next generation. So football has been so good to me. I mean, I've, I've been able to go so many places and meet so many people, and I've learned so much from it. So, yeah, I mean, you look back, and I, I never like to look back and say, well, what if? Would it? It's, to me, it's just keep moving forward, keep working, keep grinding. Every day you build momentum, and it's going in a direction that's going to produce a, a result down the road. And whether that's giving back or for your own self, you never know. But to me, everything's a learning process. So I, I kind of look at it in that, in that frame of mind. Hmm. The biggest what-if moment, at least in my opinion, amongst Hawkeye fans when it comes to your career is, what if you didn't get hurt against Northwestern? <laughs> what if you right. didn't get hurt against Northwestern, Ricky? Well, I mean, there you go again with the same thing, right? We always we want to look back and say, what, what if? But that's kind of part of that process. I, I mm-hmm. use that injury to, to teach young kids nowadays about what can happen if you get caught in a compromising position and, and what happens when, when the knee and ankle do go in to even get more specific about how that injury happens. So for me, it was a learning process. I mean, it was tough, you know. It was it was it was hard to to travel down to you know Columbus and not be able to play in that game. That was that was tough to not be with my my teammates. And, and that season was just overall though. I, I try not to lose perspective of how cool that season was and just how much fun we had and just how tightly bonded that team was. And it was a week to week like battle for us. I mean, we we never lost focus. We never lost optimism on the sideline. I mean, like I said before uh, throwing five picks before the fourth quarter at Indiana has got to be a record of some sort. I don't know where, but I'm sure somewhere that gets jotted down. But like nobody on the sideline lose, lost faith, you know, and like, and, I, and that, that helped me. And that was the kind of team we had. That was the kind of leadership we had from the top down. So like overall, I just look back on that season and smile because man, what a blast, what a ride. Everybody enjoyed it. And we, you know, we still talk about it. You know, we'll use your word. Uh, what a cool season it was. I'll, I'll go from cool to cold. It's coldest I've ever been at a football game. And of all places, it was in Florida at the Orange Bowl. Did you even realize <laughs> how cold it was uh, in Florida in that Orange Bowl night? Because the friends were shivering. Right, right. It's like we almost brought that cold front down there with us. And I remember everybody saying like the Georgia Tech fans, just they weren't ready for that. And like, they were all the fans, like, we were, you know, having a good time in the stands. They were dancing to Casey and, 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 and yeah, the gang and right. all those cats. So, like, the, the energy was like, this is easy for us. It, it, it didn't feel cold to us, right? Because we had just been playing in cold games leading up to that point. So, it was no biggie for us at, as, uh, you know, Midwesterners, but it probably threw them off a little bit and, and helped us out. But it was, uh, I think it's still, or should be, the, the coldest Orange Bowl to date. I'm, I'm not surprised. It was an incredibly cold one up there, but a great victory in dominating that Georgia Tech team and the Orange Bowl win. Ricky, uh, as you look at this week in Cyhawk week, it's a game that you mm-hmm. played in three consecutive years, three straight victories. Has to be a smile on your face there, but you're an Ohio kid. You you came to Iowa, dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. No Purdue was after you. Miami of Ohio, a couple of others. But when you made your way to Iowa, did you know anything about the rivalry and then when you saw the rivalry for the first time, that impact on you? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, I, I guess I understood that the Big Ten was rivalries. You know, it, it really is across the board. Every team's got a couple inside the conference. I know the conference has changed shape just a little bit, but it really hit home for me. I think the year would have been 2007 when we were there. And when they won, when they won when we were there, and the way they stormed the field, and just even leading up to the game, 
I mean, it's their Super Bowl. You know, it, it really felt that way. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. This is a big deal, right? This is this is the battle for the state, you know. And there's, and you you start to see the culture um, of Iowa and how there is no pro team. So it's it's all riding on which well, which side are you? Are you wearing black and gold, or are you wearing you know yellow and red? So it's a it's a case of just kind of drawing that line, and then you go to battle. But it's really evolved, and I think this weekend's just I mean, talk about an exciting matchup with two good teams, and it's got the game day energy mm-hmm. going into it. It should be out. I mean, it should be outrageous. It should be intense, and it's going to be a, a, an amazing atmosphere for those guys. And six, seven years down the road, you guys are going to be talking to Nate Stanley about it. And it's going to, I think it's going to be in a, in a good light because I think these cats are going to go down into, into Ames and lay one on them. Interesting. Ricky Stanzi <laughs> is our guest. Uh, Ricky, you know, I, I, when I look at this team this year, it kind of reminds me of, of, the, of the group of receivers you had because you had some skilled guys. And, and quite honestly, mm-hmm. and no offense to anybody that's come after that group, you know, whether it was McNutt, whether it was DJK, of course, Moyaki doing what he did. And this year's group, there's depth for the first time in this receiver room that quite, maybe haven't seen since, uh, since your teammates. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it looks like it's really coming together for this crew. And I think they'll be hitting their stride. They'll be catching their momentum. I know what Kirk's telling these guys. And, and when you've got a good group that buys in and they see the potential, um, not only in their individual units room, you know, the receivers, the QBs, O-line and such and so forth, but when they see it as a team and they go, Hey, look, man, we got a chance here. <laughs> we got a chance to make some noise. We're, you know, we're ranked. We got a chance to, to win a lot of ball games and, and they know they can be good. So when you start to get that sort of that one heartbeat and everybody's going at the same same beat of the same drum, it's it's exciting to watch. I think we're starting to see that. I thought last week, uh, Stanley, you know, he look he's looking better and better each time he's out there. He's he's he's, he's improving weekly, and I think that's exciting because he's going to just he's going to catch a wave here and he's just going to roll. And I think that each week you'll start to see him progress. I think the first week there was oh you can't really hit the deep ball. Baloney, he hit it. I saw it. I saw it against the Rutgers. So you know, so he can he can do these things. For him, it's just going to be each week building, and then he's just going to. He's. A, I think he catches fire here. He already kind of is, and then he's just going to keep it rolling. You know, Ricky, there's so much hype and hysteria around this week. Not only a rivalry game, but game day going to be in Ames for the first time ever. We've seen Iowa play these big games. Harken back to you know, 2009 when you guys beat Penn State and that great game out there in State College and Claiborne with the black punt and you guys running away from it in the fourth quarter. That even keel nature of Kirk Ferentz. What is it about him where this team seemingly doesn't matter what's going on, you're going to see the same football team week in and week out. How does Coach Ferentz do that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's everything. Like, I tell you what, Coach Ferentz is like – he's. He's just so revered amongst us uh, ex-players because it was just like every Tuesday, I think it was, he'd, you know, we'd have these, he just kind of talked to us. And just to the way he was kind of talking about football, but at the same time, you're really talking about life. And like inside of those games, you really get to see that play out. And that goes back to even what I was saying about 09. I mean, we could get hit in the face as many times as you want to throw punches, but we're going to stand back up. <laughs> it's, it's just the way that it is. Like we don't get too down. We don't get too high on anything. And so, we're just kind of hanging out in there, and we're we're just we. You got to be able to fight for the long haul in these Big Ten matchups or these rivalry matchups. It's a tough conference, and and it's the same type of vibe that's going to be happening this weekend. You know, when you go down to a a, a tough environment, like in kind of speaking back to that Penn State, the first play of the game, they hit like a sixty-eight <laughs> yard yep. touchdown pass, and I mean, 
if you're not a team that's strong and you're not confident and you can't look to the man next to you and say, that's cool, whatever, mm-hmm. is you, some teams just the wheels fall off, and then it's 38 nothing before you know it. But with Coach Ferentz, like I said, the optimism's always there on the sideline. You know, and, and he's going to coach you hard, but when it's game day, it's just super positive. Mm-hmm. And players can feel free to, to not that they're trying to make a mistake, but if you do make a mistake, believe me, I know, you can bounce back and know that Coach is there and he's got your back, and he's going to stay with you, and and everybody's going to stay with you. And so when you go into these tough on-the-road environments, you may take a shot on the chin. I mean, you don't think that those guys are going to be fired up when it's game day there in that first quarter. You're going to have to kind of ride that early wave and just kind of see what what happens. Those guys will be hyped. The crowd will be nuts. But the even-keel nature is everything, and that's kind of what Coach Ferentz always preaches, and that's what helps you win games in the fourth, and what helps you keep that momentum going throughout a full season. Mm-hmm. Last thing for me, Ricky, and it goes to Kirk Ferentz, because it's always been my take that, you know, go to the 2010 season and the way that it ended, right? I think it was three straight losses at the end, including I think the final game was up in TCF that had just opened that year. And then you have the DJK stuff and the Adam Robinson stuff. You're about to go back to uh, to Arizona and play Blaine Gabbert in Missouri. I was shocked because I, I just thought that, you know, season's, season's over. You know, the month of December, what, what's, uh, how can this football team be motivated? Yet you guys showed up in that bowl game. I know Micah Hyde made a tremendous play and probably the game winning play, but the fact oh, that yeah. you guys were in that game after the month of December and the way that you finished, I thought it was one of Ference's better coaching jobs. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It just, it, that, that in and of itself speaks volumes to how he coaches and, and how he can, you know, run a program and, and, and not let it stray. Even if it does, pull, you know, little bend but don't break kind of mentality there. And it's, it's, um, it's important. I mean, we, we, we all learn a lot from those experiences. I mean, it sucks to go through it as a fan and as a player because it's just a, it was a lot at once. It was just one hit after the next. And like you said, I mean, you, can, you get hit, but you got to get back up and you got you to gotta go out and perform. And so you got to find a way uh, to make that happen. And, and Coach Ferentz was always talking about that. You know, it was always about, okay, th- let's take that next step. Let's, let's, let's keep building. Let's keep getting better. And so even if you do hit those tough patches, you're able to, or at least you have the resolve to get back up and to keep fighting and to go win a tough game against a really good opponent. Ricky Stanzi, Ricky, appreciate you coming on. Great stuff. Well, wonderful to catch up with you. We'll continue to follow what, uh, what you're doing uh, in the business world, and we'll uh, talk to you down the road. Ricky, thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Ricky Stanzi. 2008, 9, and 10, Cyhawk winning quarterback. 3 and 0. 3 and 0. We'll talk to a guy that was 2 and 2 in the series. The game that Ricky was on the team that didn't play was 2007. Brett Meyer did. He was the winning quarterback that day. He's next as Miller and Condon continue on. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Continuing on here, Cyhawk Week. Wednesday edition here until noon. Bill Bender from the Sporting News coming up in about, oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. We'll go around college football in a national perspective. I'm sure Cyhawk will be a part of that. But right now, Brett Meyer is going to be a part of it. He was the winning quarterback in two out of the four games that he played in this one. Three of them for McCarney, one of them for Gene Chiswick, which will always be remembered as the Shaggy the shaggy game. game. Uh, Brett, along with Trent Condon, this is Ken Miller. How are you, Brett Meyer? 
I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on. No, listen, we appreciate you coming on. So let's catch up, first of all, before we get into your memories of this rivalry. Uh, last time we spoke, I think you were I think you were in Wisconsin or Minneapolis. Uh, where are you now, and what are you doing, Brett Meyer? Uh, yeah, we're up. I think last time we spoke, we live in Minneapolis. We've been here for about four years. So uh, just working in uh, med device sales, covering the state of Minnesota. And we live in Maple Grove, which is about... 15 miles kind of northwest of the city, uh, just a suburb, and you know, we've got a few little daughters, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so we're definitely busy. Are you still involved with football in any way, Brett? Uh, not, not really any kind of coaching. Um, I just don't really have the time for that. Other than just kind of following it closely, obviously, Iowa State, you know, watching the college, you know, the NFL games when I can, so. Well, it is Cyhawk week, Brett. As you look back at this one, some successes, the way that you went out there in your final Cyhawk game with the uh, drive down the field and setting up Shaggy for that field goal. The other side of it, 2-2 two and two in your career. When Cyhawk week gets here, your thoughts about this game and that, that filter back into your mind? Yeah, I mean, obviously growing up in the state. Sure. Um, you know, when I was growing up, we... we Iowa State really didn't have a lot, whole lot of success against Hollywood. Really changed it kind of. I think '98 was the year that Coach Mack got his first win. You know, against Hayden Fry and Iowa, and then obviously turning it around for sure and winning five straight. So it was a big game for us because obviously Coach Mack, having grown up in Iowa City, coached there, played there, was the captain there. That game meant a lot to him. So mm-hmm. it meant a lot to some of the coaches who who'd come in with him uh, in his first year and it just you know gotten embarrassed those first couple of years. So when they finally turned it around, so. You know, when I got there in 03, that was a redshirt year. And you know, I just remember Iowa coming in. They were just stacked. They had, I remember Bob Sanders, was, he was hurt, but they had, you know, the gallery. And, you know, Fred Russell, I think, was running back. And just, they were just stacked on offense, defense. And, you know, we got blown out that year. And that was the year in redshirt. And then coming in the next year, um, you know, playing against, again, they had, you know, Matt Roth, Bill Hyde, Greenway, just unbelievable defense. And then that was a close game. I know we had, uh, I think our kicker was hurt. Tony Yoke was hurt. We had a, a walk-on freshman kick in, and we missed some kicks, and I think we lost by seven or ten. And then next year, obviously, in, in, uh, in 2000, was a 2005 game when they came in top ten, and you know, we put it on a pretty good 22 to three. Our defense just played unbelievable that day. So, um, and then obviously junior year, kind of similar to the game of the freshman year, just making mistakes, and, um, you know, lost by I think ten. And then obviously senior year with the ugliest football game probably that this rivalry seen. I think we had five field goals Shaggy came yeah. through that day and, you know, in 15, 13 games, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, definitely ups and downs, one both home games, and lost and can it twice, but, uh, you know, some positive memories. You know, it, the game meant so much, as you just mentioned, to Dan McCarney. It really did. I mean, um, he understood it. He got it. He wanted to win it every year. And, and quite honestly, Brett, he is the... The main reason that Cyhawk is what it is today, right? I mean, it was 15 in a row, I believe, before 1998, before finally got out over the hump in Iowa City. But he's the main reason this rivalry is what it is. Uh, I think absolutely. I think that, that kind of goes without saying for people who are familiar with the good state of Iowa. Um, you know, I know they're making kind of a big deal, which is probably unnecessary about the, the guest kicker. And, yep. you know, for me, he, he's the perfect he's the perfect right. guy for that. I think he's got highs both schools. I think Obviously, it would be great on TV. I think we all kind of know and understand his energy. And, um, you know, we'll see if that happens. But I think, yeah, to your point, I mean, he's he's the reason why it's a rivalry and, and why the game is, why game day is here, you know, in a lot of respects. Because, you know, nationally, people have taken note of, of what this game means. 
Yeah, I've said it for years. Um, there, there needs to be a statue outside the football facility or something to recognize what this guy did uh, for um, for Iowa State football, quite frankly. Look at where the university is at now and look how the stadium looks and, and here comes game day. So for, for a lot of reasons. But can you maybe give us some insight into what the difference was like? McCarney's gone. Here comes Gene Chizik. You know, that ballyhooed resume, etc. Um, you know that that the shaggy game will be his his, his one shining moment. I would I guess uh, in Ames. But what was the difference like game week for McCarney as opposed to Chiswick? Did you notice the difference, Brett? Uh, yeah, I mean, Coach Mack, there was definitely a focus on the game. You know, I don't think it was it was just it was focused on the game because of what it meant to him. I think personally, and you know, I can always remember uh, Coach Getty, Matt McGetty, and our strength coach. It was a really good game for him, and he would always give us. Kind of just his, his speech, uh, you know, on the Friday walk here on the field. You know, it just is an important game to those people who have been there and kind of been through, uh, just just getting whooped for you know, for lack of a better term, you know, by those teams when they first got there. But for Coach Chizik, it was different because we, you know, we lost the first two games of the year. We lost, uh, you know, I think we lost to Kent State. You did, uh, and, and Julian Julian Edelman, Edelman yeah, running all over the field. Yeah, you can see he's pretty special uh, playing quarterback, and then obviously losing the UNI. So I think we were on too. We were just trying to get, you know figure out what we could do and, and try to figure out how we could how we could write the ship. You know, for our seniors, that was our last go, and you know that was you know his first year. We wanted to get off to a better start. So I don't know that that game really took on kind of the the Slyhawk rivalry as much as just let's figure out you know how we can get this going in the right direction. And then you know our defense played really well, and we actually you know it was kind of a ad lib on the play that I threw to Philip Bates down the sideline yeah. to set up the, the game-winning field goal. But, um, you know, we really, to be honest, it was, you know, all of our coaches on the staff were, I don't think we had a coach from Iowa. Uh, everybody was kind of from mm-hmm. the South, so the game really didn't mean a whole lot to them. Uh, so I just think, again, we were just trying to figure out exactly, you know, what we could be as a football team coming in 0-2, you know, having lost to, you know, a team from the MAC and then, you know, you and I, who good football team, but, you know, a big 12 team to win those games. That was a wheel route, right? Wasn't it? Uh, it was a linebacker on Bates that got open, I believe, on the west, on the uh, the west side of the field, which at the time was the visitor side. It was a wheel route, was it not? Yeah. Uh, no, he was lined up there. Was he? he knew that we went empty. Yeah, they they stayed in their base personnel, and they just put a linebacker on on Phil Bates, who you know was the best athlete we had on the team, yeah. probably the best athlete on the field that day, and you know we just tried to take advantage of it. Luckily, we connected. You had a pretty good receiver to throw to over the years, too, right? I mean, we, we talk about Lazard a lot, a local kid from Urbandale. Of course, Akeem Hicks comes in, or Akeem Butler, rather, comes in here, does what he did. Todd Blythe, I, I don't know why, but we when he, when he gets and maybe overlooked a little bit. Kid from Indianola, had a hell of a career, made some huge, huge plays in names. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it's good that we've had, you know, Lazard and Akeem come through here. But, yeah, definitely, um, I haven't forgot about what Todd did. I think, it's, you know, it's, the crazy thing is, you know, this is the 12th year since we played. And, you know, one thing you realize, you know, check your ego at the door. Once you're done playing here, yeah, there's a lot of teams that come through and yep. a lot of players that come through and, you know, they can figure it about you quick. But, uh, you know, Todd is somebody that definitely, um, you know, was in all Big 12 as a freshman and one of the more dynamic players we had. Just a, a huge part of our success and you know, my success as a quarterback for sure. The quarterback now, Brock Purdy, he'll be going through his first Seahawk game. Didn't play in the game last season over in Kinnick Stadium. What have you seen out of Purdy? Game number one, didn't take many shots up the field, didn't use his legs nearly as much here. Got to figure it's going to be all systems go this week. But what have you seen out of young Iowa State quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I just 
in terms of the game and you know game day and the atmosphere, I don't think that's not, nothing that's going to bother him. I think his, you know, I, I like his demeanor. I think having you know kind of the calm, measured approach, you know, towards the game is perfect for that position. Um, and he's got that in spades. So um, I don't think that's going to be this game's going to be big, too big for him at all. Um, but I, you know, I guess you and I look like we we're just trying to be really vanilla. I don't think we showed a whole lot, um, which I can understand. And, you know, we'll, we'll have some wrinkles. We'll have some different looks. You know, I, I would imagine. Because um, you know our offense, we, we do have some great players. We have some guys that can open it up. I think we've got a quarterback that can that can take advantage of you know of, of what's going to be there for him. You know, it's been a revolving door, as you well know. I mean, you and then on to Austin, and then it seemed like you know there'd be a couple of uh, guys at that position every year. It seems as though that uh, that trend is about to end here. This Brock Purdy, uh, well, from what we saw last year uh, and what we anticipate is going to happen, he looks like he's going to be the guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know. Him being, you know, a captain as a sophomore, that's right. a big deal. And I think he's somebody that's, you know, we're lucky to have him at that position. I mean, you kind of look at, you know, the success that Iowa's had. It seems like every quarterback that comes through there is going to be starting for starting as a sophomore, a freshman mm-hmm. is there for a number of years. And that's huge, you know, to the consistency and success of programs that I have to be shuffling that guy in and out because, you know, everybody can't be Oklahoma and just throw in another Heisman every year. So, um, you know, we're lucky to have Brock, like I said, and I think uh, he's somebody that's going to, you know, probably going to be number one on a lot of our records probably by the end of this year and the next year. And, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to have a great legacy when he's done. How long did it take you to get over playing? Um, did you miss I mean, it for a couple you, of years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely do. Especially those first couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you, you definitely do. I think it takes some time. And, you know, for me, I, I moved out of the state of Iowa and, and took a job, you know, selling for a company in Milwaukee. And that's, that's Big Ten country. They have mm-hmm. barely know what conference Iowa State's in. So that was good for me because nobody knows who you are. Nobody, you're not recognized <laughs> at all. And you can kind of, you know, you can kind of check your ego again, like I said, at the door. And, and, and you're not, uh, you know, as opposed to being in Iowa and you kind of, you know, everybody knows who you are and those kind of things. So I got over it pretty quickly. Um, what you don't miss, obviously, is the physical toll it takes and sure. the injuries and things like that. But, um, you know, when, it doesn't matter how long you've been out for. I know that you know, I'll be at the game on Saturday and nice. you know, walking in the pregame. And my juice is going to be flowing, and you know, I'll be excited. Great stuff, Brad Meyer. Thank you for coming on and sharing your memories of uh, that time period uh, when you were uh, under center uh, in the Cyhawk game. Brett, good to catch up with you. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Good thanks, to Brett. talk to you, Brett Meyer. Uh, two and two in Cyhawk. His final game uh, with the well was Gene Chizik's only win in this yeah. series. The Brett Culberson game. And the the Bates play was huge to set it up, as you mentioned earlier, and then we just talked about. It was a great play. It was a great play. I thought it was a wheel route, but maybe not. Something that goes hand-in-hand, hand, something that we're still talking about today in the Iowa defense. A linebacker, linebacker lined right. up out of wide receiver. Yep. What happened? If Iowa stays in the 4-3, they're going to be trying for those again. Could this be not just Deshante Jones, who we've seen break out plenty of times before, Tariq Milton's the guy this week. How about Joe Skates? Maybe. Yeah. But we certainly heard a lot about him in August, did we not? Absolutely. He has the talent, no Mm -hmm. doubt. Needs to put it all together on the football field now. Boy, it's a fun week. It's dragging, though, man. It's only Wednesday. I can't believe it's only Wednesday. Bill Bender next. Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hugs. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world. On iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, portions of the show brought to us by Fuller Family Dentistry. FullerDental.net. General Dentistry, Cosmetic Dentistry. Did both of my caps, Restorative Dentistry. 
couple of locations, Eastern Polk counties, where you can find their offices. One on East 29th Street in Des Moines, 2822 East 29th, and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Let's talk college football. Bill Bender joins the program. Bill, game day is coming to Ames. It's the biggest week in the state of Iowa, bar none. How are you, Bill Bender? Well, and that's probably the best we got out of week three otherwise. It's not a great schedule, but I know you guys don't care there because <laughs> Iowa is the center of the college football world, and quite frankly, that's kind of cold. Yeah, it really is. It's it's great for our state. You know, let's go back before we go forward, Bill, to I want to talk about the game you were at. You were in the uh, you were in the big house, right, for Army and Michigan. We'll get to that. But then later on that night, LSU-Texas was as entertaining a college football game. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Two big-time quarterbacks making big-time plays. Joe Burrow, um, where's this come from? Is it? Can you point right to Brady as quarterback guru? There's more to it than that, right? I think that's a big part of it. And they're what? I mean, this is the guy, I've told you guys this a few times. He, he uh, picture a big-time Iowa high school, Division One high division that, that goes four and six every year. And, you know, Burrow took that school to the state championship game. And that's how good he was. And, and that type of offense, where his senior year, he threw for 67 touchdowns and two picks. I mean, on Saturday, he was spreading the ball out. He plays with Moxie. He uh, three receivers with 100 yards. I mean, like you said, the best part of that game, to me, play from, from him and Ellen. He's probably didn't play bad. No. But uh, LSU made one more play, you know, one more touchdown, and Man, I think they look ready. I don't know if they can be Alabama, but I do know I'm going to be in front of my TV or at that game, whichever <laughs> one it is, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching those two go at it. No doubt. Going to be a good one there. Maybe not a good game, one that people thought maybe possibly year two of Chip Kelly. Here they come. It has gone completely the opposite direction. Two losses to teams outside of the Power 5 structure with Cincinnati and San Diego State. And now they got Oklahoma to come into town. Not only that, UCLA, they're just giving away tickets. Literally giving away tickets for this game to try to get people in the building. Yeah, and it's been tough for them, you know, and obviously not a great season so far, but um, you know, and they're gonna be 0 three. They're not gonna beat Oklahoma. Nope. And then the worst part about it is there's a decent chance that USC's gonna be three and oh. Because uh mm. I think that's been one of the kinda undersold stories there, right? Because they, they were supposed to lose a couple games and don't have an AD. But, yeah, to your point on UCLA, it doesn't start clicking in the second half of the season. I'm going to be interested to see where that goes. Because, I mean, right now you're, you're looking at 5-7 and seven again if they don't turn it around a little bit in the Pac-12. Uh, let's go to the game you saw. You were at uh, you were in Ann Arbor for the uh, Army Black Knights and the Michigan Wolverines, a double overtime game. What, what a, a thrilling theater! I mean, uh, Hopkins. Too bad he has to. You know the the, the passes that he throws. I mean, he's just not he's just not going to throw the ball. We know that, and they were forced to, unfortunately. And the kicker comes in. Um, but you know, a hell of a game, Bill. And, and Army gave them all that they wanted. What do we know uh, now? Know about Michigan? Might we have overratedly? Some of us overrated Michigan. A little bit prior to the season? They, open, they need to trust Jay Patterson. And if they don't put trust Jay Patterson, they need to put Dylan McCaffrey in. Because, I mean, the national narrative, I think, was a little bit harsh. They, they, they won the game. I mean, that was a game we all circled and said, hey, it could be an upset. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go to do. Michigan committed three first-half turnovers. But but the disturbing part if you're a Michigan fan is this. I mean, when you play Army, the test is the offense. And I thought Michigan's defense passed that test. They played well. Um, the offense played bad. And if they play like that next week, I don't know. You Trent was talking about gambling. I think Wisconsin's going to be favored. I do, too. I saw a look-ahead line, Michigan, two and a half. Still, huh? On the look-ahead line, yeah. And uh, we'll see where that one turns out, as we learned this week with the Cyhawk lane, uh, line. That certainly can change when we actually get to game week. Here's one that I, I'm struggling with, and speaking of point spreads, Michigan State's a two-touchdown favorite against Arizona State. I know the working, the offense got revved up in week two for the Where's Spartans the here. It's in East Lansing mm. still. Arizona State, Eno Benjamin and company, they can run the football. Herm has done a better job than I anticipated. Something seems fishy here. I don't know if Arizona State will cover. I don't know if it's a win, but, I, yeah, I think they'll keep it close because he's done a good job. They've got a good enough defense that can hang and run some clock with Benjamin. Now, the one thing you got to wonder about, though, is freshman quarterback on the road against mm. a defense where Kenny Wilkes has four sacks already, um, and they'll be coming after him. So, yeah, but, I mean, that, that'll be a fun game. That, that's one, I guess, if I'm not watching Iowa State, that's one that I think could be good. There's a couple good Friday night games. Um, one in particular, I can't believe I'm saying that. It's not basketball season, but let's tell what line of weight. Tune into that one. I mean, the winner's going to be 3-0. and oh, feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be wrong. Yeah, and that's uh, that's early. That's 5 o'clock our time, Central and Kansas, Boston College, followed by uh, Houston and Washington State. You know a game on Saturday, Bill, that may be flying under the radar a little bit, or maybe not, and, and I love the Big Ten, Big 12 crossover games, and we've got one here uh, with TCU going on the road to take on Purdue. I don't know what to make of Purdue so far. I saw Sindelar got a little bit banged up, which has been really the story of his career. Rondell Moore's Rondell Moore. Um, Patterson's still trying to figure out the quarterback position at TCU. I think this one's got a chance to be very good. Sure. Rondell's uh, leading receiver in the country right now, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that because he's so talented. But, um, yeah, that's a fun game. Uh, one that I think, you know, yeah, like you said, the crossover with that and TCU, we don't really know what they have yet, but they win that one. They look pretty good doing that. We'll probably evaluate them a little bit differently. Um, you know, for Purdue – you know, you lose the opener, you bounce back, they lose that one. Um, I think what we've learned from this Big Ten West, you, you, the three of us talked about this all offseason, yep. how wide open it was going to be. And you know what? <laughs> For two weeks, it just looks like Iowa and Wisconsin. It does. It's wild how quickly yep. it can change. Well, speaking of the Hawkeyes, we hit it at the top here. Bill, let's finish with your perspective on this game. I, I want to get this. With game day coming to Ames for the first time, the spotlight on the Iowa State program, Matt Campbell, a guy you know well, certainly from his days, and your stomping grounds there in Ohio. What this does, what this does for the Iowa State program and what a game day appearance can be for them, not just on this Saturday, but going forward. to aspire to as a program. I mean, game day in Columbus or in Arbor, um, you know, it's kind of a contrived thing anymore. Fans are used to it. I think that Iowa State gets to shine a light on their program, the work that Matt Campbell's done. Um, you know, as long as it's not a distraction. I, I'm guessing he's going to have them soak it up a little bit, though, because, you know, you get out in that game, maybe that loosens them up because they have lost, you know, four in a row. Um, I did look, I think I have the stat in our previews going up shortly. So, like, 
in this decade, the games at Iowa City have been decided by about 16 points. The games in Ames have been decided by about six points. So I think you guys are going to have a fun time with that game. Could go to OT. Um, but Purdy and Stanley are the key. Mm-hmm. You know, which one doesn't get bugged by the other one, whether it's, uh, you know, the defensive line uh, or turnovers. And, and um, you know, that's what I'll be watching. That's a great quarterback battle with Purdy, Purdy and Stanley. No doubt about that. Bill, is Maryland, last thing for you, Maryland the biggest positive surprise this year? I mean, I'm not sure what Illinois is beating. Cal had a huge win, as we know, last week. Uh, Maryland goes to Temple this week, so they, I mean, they should be 3-0 and before they get the Big Ten play, and they'll begin that by hosting Penn State on a Friday night, which will be appointment TV. Um, biggest surprise, Maryland? I mean, I, I pointed this out in the press box in Ann Arbor for the weekend that Maryland's football team is averaging more points than their basketball team did last year. <laughs> um, pretty incredible, because it's like 71 and 72 with, with those two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think if they take care of business against Temple this weekend, it sets up one heck of a matchup against Penn State on Friday night. Penn State, Maryland, and Wisconsin are three mm-hmm. of six FBS teams that are averaging more than 50 and giving up less than 10. The other three are Alabama, Kansas State, and UCF. So there's your good stat of the day. You know I'm going to bring you at least one. And you just did, <laughs> my friend. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com. Read him at SportingNews.com. He's the college uh, football uh, columnist, and we appreciate him coming on to uh, do what he does for us each and every Wednesday. Thank you, Bill. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me Good to talk to you. Bill Bender uh, from the Sporting News as we wrap up the uh, BMW Des Moines guest list for another day. Good stuff out of Bill Bender. Maryland's really good. Are they? I think they are, Trent. I think they are. What, what's really good well, for Well, certainly, because they were going to be, what, 4-8? and eight? Yeah, 5-7, and seven, yeah. Now I think, can you flip that around? Can 4-8 and eight be 8-4? Eight and four? No. You still don't think so? I got to see more. Beating Syracuse... Doesn't do it for me. Uh, no, and certainly Howard. <laughs> and Howard, right. right. Who are their crossovers? Purdue, Mini, Nebraska. They go 2-1 in one of those games. Mm-hmm. Then we can talk about it. Here's the month of November for them. Home to Michigan at Ohio State by home to Nebraska at Michigan State. That game should have some juice to it. Very well could. Mm-hmm. Go to Rutgers, so that's the Penn State games. That that's Matt. That's a Friday night too. Oh, really? Final Friday of September, twenty seventh of September. A Big Ten tilt, Maryland unbeaten, Penn State unbeaten. Doesn't Get quite feel on. like a Big Ten game though. No, it th- feels no, like an old independent game from the nineteen eighties. Yeah, it's true. I wonder who's got it. Let me look real quick on the twenty seventh. I've got some news from Ray Cole. I'm gonna guess FS one. Ooh, I'm interested in the Ray Cole news though. Uh, FS one. You're 100% right. 7 o'clock our time, FS1. All right, let me get the text I got uh, from Ray Cole. He didn't tell me I couldn't share it. ESPN DirecTV, I'm going to guess, is the line here. Unless Ray's got some other news for uh, us. It's, it's really no news oh, Okay, that it's it's going to expire on Friday the 13th of all the days, he said. <laughs> They're either going to hammer out a deal or we're going to turn on our TV on Saturday morning. It'll go dark on DirecTV. So extension doesn't sound like, and that's what I anticipated, is there be an extension if they don't come to a deal. That is not mentioned in this email. Now he does, uh, uh, well, now he does say this: the parties will either hammer out a new deal, agree to an extension, mm. 
or it will go dark on DirecTV. It does not involve ABC, so ABC stays on as we okay. know. Only in a couple of markets. doesn't involve Des Moines. Big ones, New York, L.A., and Chicago. Mm-hmm. So if there is a game on ABC that night, and ABC's got, well, that's Clemson, Syracuse. Yep. I'm on Big Ten Network all night long. All night long. Well, for 6.30, I'm going to watch the, because I'm going to play the game. Um, Purdue TCU. Purdue TCU. And here's the reason why. And then, both of the needle movers on our state will get a chance to see them both, right? Yeah. TCU's coming up on Iowa State schedule. Purdue's going to be on uh, Iowa schedule. So I have a feeling you're going to be floating over to ABC, though. The Orange are going to play well. You think? Two years in a row. You really do? Oh, it's a look forward to Friday in our pick segment. That's our What's yacht. the number? 27 and a half. Jeez, that's a lot of points. Uh, there, there will be a dusting just to taste on that money line, too. Yeah. At that price... No, don't. That's wasted money. Oh, that's a no, big. No, no. That's a big price. I'll you would have told you that. me that two years ago too. And what happened? They went up there Friday night. Kelly Bryant got hurt. I'd have been apologizing to you on the radio the, the next day. Orange Sorry, walked away with a win last year. Had him on the ropes. Uh-huh. Keep an taste, eye out. You're taking a test of the money. Yeah. Taste of the money line on that one. Are you? All right. I got a couple of picks. I'm already excited about. And good thing for us because. We're going to tape our TV show. We are. And that TV show airs on Mediacom, MC22, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, we will tape it here as soon as we get off the air. We'll literally walk across the street, yep. walk across Ingersoll, sit down, and continue doing this for uh, another half hour, and then it'll air on MC22. So you, hopefully, if you're a Mediacom subscriber, you'll come across it on MC22 at some point during the season. Inside the numbers is where uh, you can find that uh, as you're scrolling through. Maybe set the DVR. Yes, and and get with us each and every week with a lot of gambling talk for a half hour. Tonight, it is a Wednesday. That means baseball. What's going to grab the Miller household this evening? I think it's probably the same way as I attacked last night. I'm going to watch the Twins and the Nationals. You know, I I, I recorded Rodman, and I've seen a lot of really good Twitter about Mm -hmm. it. Same. I'm kind of um, wondering if my afternoon will be spent watching oh, that. Oh, I got Because there's no you. day baseball, and even if there was, if there's no playoff teams, I'm out at this time of year. Um, so we'll do that. Now, the Fanatics are also on the road today. Is that what I'm led to believe? Yes. They're at RVTV. They're joining the crew, so they'll be Good up stuff. there. I will be back for Hawk Central tonight ah, at 6 nice. o'clock. Now, Friday, you and I will follow the morning rush over at Principal Park for a blood drive. Yes. Uh, we'll, uh, the morning rush and our show will come to you live from Principal Park on Friday. More information on that tomorrow. Fun show today. Thanks to the QBs. Thanks to Kenny White. And thanks to David Kaplan. And thanks to you for listening. Miller and Condon will be back tomorrow with 10. Hope you can be here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460.